righty, hour number three, News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Pete Callender here of the Pete Callender Show. The phone number is 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110, and the email is Pete at thepetecallendershow.com, and the, uh, the Twitter is at Pete Callender, and get the podcast, remember. Alrighty, joining me now for our uh, daily updates on the uh, Alec murder trial, <laughs> Matt Harris, morning co-host of the Matt Ramona Show on our sister station, Mix 107.9. Uh, he's also uh, producing and co-hosting uh, a, uh, a podcast with his co-host Seton Tucker on the Murdoch cases. It's called mm-hmm. Impact of Influence, and it's available on all of the major podcasting platforms. So mm-hmm. welcome back. Matt's in studio today. Yeah, baby. So we had a big, uh, there was a big corporate meeting or something here yes. today. So they brought you in, of course. Right, of course. <laughs> yes, that's the man who can't sit still for <laughs> seven right. minutes. There you go. Uh, all right, so when last we left the trial, let's see, we had, uh, there were, I got to say, I watched a lot of the DNA stuff, uh, the the. They were introducing like all of the swabs and the you know the samples and going through the the lab process, and I just kept thinking like Homer Simpson, boring. You're yeah, boring, right, everybody. Right. Why are you boring? Right. So I understand they got to put the, they got to go through a process to put it all into evidence, and hopefully they then construct the the narrative with that data later. But they didn't do it. No. Yesterday and the day before. So that then takes us to. The medical examiner, the coroner. Right? Right. There is one thing about the that people are trying to make hay with. Okay. About the DNA is the uh, DNA that was found under Maggie's fingernail clipping. Oh. There was a DNA found under uh, Maggie's fingernail clipping. Some people in the media were trying to frame it as it was CB Rowe, the groundskeeper. Yeah, but I thought his GPS showed him somewhere else. He that was night. somewhere, like, you know, it was somewhere else. Not only that, what she said was she couldn't rule him out. But it was more likely it wasn't him. Right. But some people are forgetting to park that part in there. Right. Trying and to the, try this thing that there was this rumor about C.B. Rowe and her, which I don't find holds much water. But I just want to point that out. If you're hearing that, that's not what went down. And the, the way that this stuff works with the DNA testimony is always something along the lines of, we can't say with 100% certainty, but we can tell you that the chance of it not being this is like one in 1.7782 trillion or quintillion yes, or Google yes. or something. Yes. Yeah, it's a ridiculous, uh, it's a ridiculous uh, uh, percentage. So, uh, all right, that brings us to the pathologist, Dr. Ellen Reamer, I believe is her name. Yep. And she testified about how Paul and Maggie were shot to death. This was the most graphic day uh, they went over the autopsy. They had the pictures. They had the autopsy pictures. They had diagrams. And first, all right, so yesterday, the state uh, did its direct uh, questioning yeah. of her. And so what did uh, what did we learn from that? Well, one thing is worth pointing out that from the people I know that were in the room, yeah. uh, the jury was visibly shaken. Right. Uh, holding one, uh, one I had to be... Consoled. Break and consoled, uh, hiding their eyes, things like that. Uh, and I think that this could be played either way, right? You could see uh, somebody saying, oh, my God, let's fry this monster. Mm-hmm. Or you could see somebody saying, oh, my God, how could someone do that to their son? To their own family, absolutely. And their wife, who who by all, and the jury's heard, they not counting rumors or anything. Right. Every single person for the defense, before the prosecution, yep. has gone on and on and on about how much everybody loved each other. Loving family, no problems yes. that they could see. And that was the prosecution's. They're right. I mean, yeah, they're, they're people. Right. So I think that's important. Um, what we did find out, according to her, 
There was uh, Paul, two shots, which we always knew, two shotgun, one to the chest, one that kind of went through the shoulder, and then I don't know how graphic you want to be, but it did, did, did a it, uh, it number decapitated on the, the back half of his head. brain was gone. Um, right. So the and, and so real quick on the so on the let's uh, a moment on the shotgun. Uh, to, to Paul, is that the first shot came left side of the chest, indicating he was not holding his arms up in a defensive posture. Right. So, in other words, somebody got close to him, like within three within feet three of him. Feet. That's the general rule, yeah. Because of the stipple pattern, this yes. burn pattern that occurs. So, they got within three feet of him, and they shot him on the left side, mm-hmm. and uh, and then they shot him Again. at the head, and that's what killed him, essentially took the top half of his head off, and he dies immediately, collapses to the ground. Maggie then is shot with a different firearm, right. which has always prompted speculation that there's a second shooter, right? Or that Alec Murdoch did it, and he used two different guns in order to Throw make people, people believe, right? So, what did we learn about the uh, the shooting of Maggie? I think uh, because we had known, well, we thought she was shot five times. The forensic examiners said that it could have been four, and there's five wounds with four shots, so that's a little bit different. Is that the hand wound the hand covering wound. the stomach? Stomach, because she got like shot in the the, the the kidneys. She said, "Imagine a kidney stone, but way worse." So the the she believes that she was bent over. Um, and by the way, there was first two or three shots were not lethal. Hit her in the leg, right? Her, her leg, uh, thigh, and then uh, the kidney one, her arm, and so she was either bent over or possibly on all fours, is what. The uh, the attorney was the, the Creighton Waters was saying the state yeah the prosecution yeah, prosecution um, and those had and some people were getting this wrong and I went back and double checked that had the stifling on it of the so they were close those those two or three shots were close all three of the original shots were yes. close okay the kill shots were not close I mean they could be close but not three feet outside of three feet right. so the, what uh, so they spent a lot of time on this too with the stipple. Uh, effect, which is essentially the what the the stuff that comes out of the barrel of the gun and it burns gun and it, powder, it, yeah, and and that gunpowder leaves these little stipple marks, these burn marks on the victim, but only if you're within three feet. Right. If you're outside of three feet, as the general rule, it's not getting, it's cooling right. off before it gets to you. Yeah, so that's how they can know first shot, second shot, close by, third shot was the essentially the kill shot after she had grabbed her stomach, leaned over. That shot came from behind her, entered her back, right? Came up through, up through the through torso. The breast. Yeah. yeah. The breast and then, and then... And then punctured through the head. And that was a kill shot. That was the kill shot. And then she fell to the ground. And then she was essentially shot in the back of the head, execution stop, but she was already She's dead. She's already dead. And that shot came from a different direction. So somebody yeah. walked around it's the like body. Circled her is what she described it as, yeah. Right. So that was the state's presentation. Why I watched the defense... Uh, cross-examination of her and you got to keep in mind like they didn't spend any real time on on uh maggie it was all paul uh, like most of their effort i saw was uh, was trying to trying to create confusion about how paul's murder like how close because you you only know it's three feet but it could be one foot it could be one inch right and also remember they're long guns so you're Going to be like a revolver, you can be right next to him. Right. More than likely, you're going to be a couple feet, you know, a foot away or whatever it is because you have a long gun. But yeah, they're trying to say that the the defense is setting it up, I'm sure for when their experts come in. Right. Is that the gun was 
contact. Like, it was right on him. Right. They kept talking about contact residue or, or contact shooting or something. And, and, and They're reading out some book. That like a right. Book. This is the Bible on this yeah. stuff, and they and and what they kept trying to get at was, and finally the state on redirect, they came back and said, "Was this a suicide?" And right. she said, "No, not in my expert opinion." She's been doing this for like thirty years, and she's got like fifty five hundred autopsies under her yeah. belt. And she's and, good too. Yeah, yeah, she was very good, and she was like, she was very. Um, uh, she came across as like a willing teacher, you yeah, know. Like, I was gonna say, she's a very professor like. Right, and so and so like at certain points. You almost forgot that you're you're talking about these autopsies of the victims. It, like it, it, there comes a point, and maybe this is sort of detachment. You have to this separation sure. that you have to have when dealing with some of this horror, like gallows humor kind of stuff, where right. people in the courtroom at certain times it seemed like like they would make some comment and people would kind of laugh, and yeah. which was weird because nervous, right? Kind of. What did you thing. think of uh, Alec Murdoch's? disposition at the defendant's table. Okay, well, I have a, I admittedly have a terrible relationship with uh, people who say they can read body language. Um, I think it's a... You think it's hocus pocus? It's hocus pocus. Okay. I do. I do. I, I, but, um, so I was on court TV last night. I don't believe night. you, and I can tell that because of the way you <laughs> shoot your... <laughs> well, I was on court TV last night Uh-oh. with a couple of those people. Yeah. I called one out on it, but... Um, oh, did you really? Yeah, yeah, Oh, yeah. my goodness. Well, but... Uh, and I know I'm not saying it's 100, percent but it's just so crazy that they think they can see this and like be like 100 percent certain that he touched his right eye. He's full of crap. Right. I think it's a little bit much. I think, and if you read, I've read a little bit about it to know that it's uh, numerology. Uh, but they're not on. They don't put them on the stand. Body language experts. That tells you something. They, but they do put them on net or, or on uh, cable they TV. Do that, yes. Come on. Now. So to me. I think when you when you try to judge body language or a nine one one call or things like that, all it does is confirmation bias. If you think Alec Murdoch is guilty, then you are like, "Wow, oh, that's fake," or "Yeah, he's sad because he shot him." If you think that Alec Murdoch didn't do it, uh, or, or, or uh, which way was it going? Did do it? You're like, you know, it, it didn't do it. You're right, like, of course, he's legitimately sad and legitimately crying. Right. It could be he's legitimately crying because he did it, legitimately crying because he didn't do it. He could also so, be on some drugs, like because th- this happens a lot where people take certain drugs because they're so amped up, the anxiety of a court trial like this. Yeah. They'll take, like, uh, mood relaxers or whatever, right. and then they don't show emotion in a way that you think they should. Right. This was, all, this was the same thing with the Michael Peterson, the, the, the author, remember, up in staircase. Greensboro? Yeah, the staircase, same thing with him. He didn't show the appropriate level of emotion that somebody else thought he should have. Well, we had um, two hang on, nine, hang on. Okay. You want you want to stick around? Sure, I'll Can stick you? around. I mean, what else are you going to do? Yeah, I don't know, edit a podcast, uh, listen to testimony, and uh, right. get ready for court TV. But eh, nothing else. Screw that. <laughs> Matt Harris is with us. More with him in a moment. Joining me is Matt Harris. He is uh, the co-host of a podcast, Impact of Influence, available on all major podcasting platforms, uh, along with his co-host, Seton Tucker. They've been covering the Murdoch trial and the cases and all that since, like, uh, what, 10 days after the... Yeah. Uh, the murders. murders. Yep. yep. In uh, uh, June I had no 7th. idea where they would go like this. I had no idea. We no. Should... Yeah. June 7th, 2021. And he's been doing this podcast with Seton Tucker all this time. And now here we are with the trial. And uh, so he's burning both ends of the candle. I think yeah. that's the right saying. Whatever. So right. Burning something. So And so you're on court TV as well. Is that every night? Uh, eight to nine every night. Yeah. Eight to nine every night. You do a morning show also, Matt and Ramona show over on Mix yep. 107.9. 
And you're cranking out daily podcasts. Yeah. Oh. Well, relatively daily. <laughs> Every Lord. other day at the most. Yeah, I mean, it's tough. It's a tough schedule to maintain. So... Uh, so I appreciate, and you also do this segment every single day at two o'clock when we can, when the schedules align uh, correctly. Which, by the way, I'm not here Thursday and Friday, so take those two days off. Okay, well, I'll be at the trial. <laughs> <All right. laughs> oh, there you go. Impact of influence is the podcast name. Okay, so we had another witness also today that came through. Um, what's this guy's name? Roger can... Dale Davis. Roger Dale Davis Jr. Yeah, Jr. Jr. Yes. I don't know if it matters. I mean, I guess it matters. He said, "You can call me Roger. You can call me Dale. Don't matter." <laughs> okay. So he was the guy that took after or looked after the dogs. Well, yeah, I cleaned the kennels twice a day and uh, knew exactly which dogs should be in which kennels, which came into play. Like, was there somebody there? But he, cleaning the kennels was the key part of the testimony because he had a very specific way that he would put away the hose. When oh. He was yeah. Oh my! I did okay. I, this was happening while I was doing my show, so I guess I'm just gonna have to stop doing my show. And it's because watching. you should, you should. <laughs> and he's 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 a funny dude too. I mean, he's a he's a character, but um, I mean, I don't mean it's not funny because what happened to the murders, but this dude said some funny things, right? But um, he cleaned the kennels. They were saying twice a day for four years, but then he worked part time for a couple of years, but a long time. Um, and so the big things they were talking about one where the dogs were in the kennels and i i didn't get to see the whole thing there's something about maybe they weren't supposed to be where they usually were um but the hose was not put away he was there at five o'clock that day they showed him pictures of the crime scene i'm guessing we couldn't see you know, can't right, see the they, exhibits till the end of the day yeah they don't show a lot of uh, any of that on the live feeds right so i'm guessing it was the night of the murders or something. Uh, and he said, I've never put the hose away that way. So somebody else did something. Within the time frame of 5 p.m. when he left. Right. And whenever those photos got taken, like 10, theoretically, after 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock at night. So within this window of the murders, you've got the hose being used. Which... And, and and water, and water uh, very visible in the feed room. Where Paul's body was, was sort of. Right. Which, maybe Paul used the hose. Right. Right. The implication, of course, they're saying, is they're think, trying to make you think that Alec Murdoch washed himself off, hosed himself down. Right, but then how does that line up with the fact that, the, that Blanca, the housekeeper, came in and found the shower... Uh, well, puddles on the wall, yeah. on the floor, and the sh- the towel towels being wet. So like, that was he, a he took another shower. He took another shower. He, yeah, like yes. before he murdered them, he showered, right. and then he hosed himself off, yes. or maybe he hosed himself off first, then came inside afterwards, showered, then took off for yeah, for yeah, mom's house. Got but the you most only of it have off. fifteen minutes here. Yeah, yeah. So that, but that is the implication, and the fact that the dog beds there was two dog beds that were on top of the kennel. And when you clean it out, you take them out. But then when you're done cleaning, you put them back. Right, but you don't put them on the floor. You don't put them on the floor. Because then they would get wet. Yeah, but they're, but they're in the cage. Or right, the they would set them up on top or something, they were saying, right? Don't they set them on, yes, up I'm on, on top? Yes, on top, yeah. Okay. And so something, and like I wouldn't, he says the, the water normally wouldn't be there if it was daylight because it dries really fast there. So since it was after nighttime when the water was on, so that would be, I think I looked it up at one point. I think when did the sun set I think on like June seventh? I think it was like yeah, I did. I believe it or not, I looked it up. I I'm like, sure. I think it was like eight forty, something like that. Yeah, I believe it. I yeah. mean that time, uh, that yeah. time of year, June seventh. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Off the top of my head. Um, so that was what they were going after there. Also, uh, 
this dog is going to come into play, uh, Bubba. Bubba. Because Bubba's been getting just crucified in this. this, 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 this That's in the comment section. The guy, need, the kidding. dog needs his own Twitter. Does he, he does. not have? He has his own. No. Has he, he got a Twitter handle? No, somebody should. Somebody has to make Bubba a Twitter handle. Um, but this is the dog that you could hear in the background of the video that uh, that Paul shot, where he's trying to shoot video of this other dog's tail to send to the owner, the, his friend who owns the dog Cash to try to let him know, hey, there's a problem with Cash's tail. And so he's shooting the video, and you hear Maggie and Alec. Everybody says they're sure. Yeah, That's the voices they hear. Sure, yep. And they're talking about Bubba killing a chicken, and you hear Alec in the background calling out for Bubba, trying to get, I guess, the dead chicken out right. of Bubba's mouth. Right. And I think where the defense might go with this is Bubba didn't listen. And so you had to chase Bubba around. So that shortens the timeline because mm. I had to chase Bubba around. I, you know, now you're telling me I killed him in eight minutes or whatever it is. That's a possibility. Well, and it's not just the killing. It's, I mean, the killing would obviously have to occur very, very quickly. Right. And we found out when, from, the, uh, from the autopsies that both Maggie and Paul had eaten the same meal. Right, so so they now, did have dinner together. So they did have dinner together, which now puts them up in that house. But it also means Alec leaves his phone in that house right. when he comes down to the kennels with them, which would be highly unusual because he never leaves his phone anywhere. But he's down there at the kennels without his phone at the time. So was he planning to do this at that time? I mean, it's a pretty elaborate plan. Right. And let's right? remember there's a lot of vehicles there, too. So which ones were driven right. to and fro? How do you move the vehicles? Because one of them gets found outside the property, right? Like half a mile away. The, Maggie's phone gets file, uh, found on the side of the road. Uh, How do they get out there? When does he do that? Right. Because, But Maggie was the only one that would walk. They had two. Well, Paul was using John Marvin's truck that night, we know from our people, that the truck that was broken down, so John Marvin let him use his because he was working with John Marvin, Alex's brother. So you have that one. You have this other F. 250 maybe or what that's on the property people mm -hmm. drive around you have maggie's car that people drive around you have a golf cart you have a side-by-side -side, which is like an all-terrain thing so and and a couple other things and the 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 dog guy today the kennel guy is like I'm back with the same theory the same conversation about there's guns laying all over the place basically right i'm surmising but you know that he's but if you lay, if you were to lay them around on purpose so you could grab them to commit a murder later, you could do that without them being noticed as out of place. But also, if you showed up, that's the thing I don't get, though. You showed up looking to murder somebody and were just lucky that the guns were within reach? Right. Dog guy says he didn't see guns that night. But, I mean, would you possibly, yeah. you know, because he said all the cars, trucks were always unlocked. So maybe yeah. Alec jumps in the golf cart or something and whizzes over there and, and drops the off the phone. The phone and yeah. but I don't understand. How do you get the truck and then run back? The the time is very short, right? Very he, short. He only has fifteen minutes. Yeah, it's, it's like yeah. I one of the the, the dog guy did say uh, something funny though. The, they asked him about uh, if you're hunting hog, you know, do you, do you make sure you use the uh, you don't use the the shotgun. You have to use uh, the, the blackout AR style blackout gun. And uh, but they had a hunting dog, one of the dogs in there that would hunt hogs. And so the so uh, Alex's attorney says, "I heard you couldn't use a, a gun if you're using a dog to hunt hog." And the guy's like, "No, you got to use a gun." 
Unless you're man enough to go in there and drag that hog out by one leg. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Very nice. All righty, oh, Matt Harris, fun. you can catch his podcast on any podcasting thank platform. You, it is Impact of Influence. Thank you, sir. We'll see you tomorrow if our schedules align yep. again. All right, thank you very much, buddy. Appreciate it. So thanks again to Matt Harris for coming in and uh, chatting about the Murdoch trial update and all. Um, I want to get back, though. Let me circle back like Jen Pisaki does uh, to the Charlotte City Council topic real quick because there's a bunch of more audio here. And uh, if I had to watch this council meeting and then listen to it again to pull all this audio, by golly, by gosh, we're going to listen to it. Okay, so uh, Lawana Mayfield responded to, she's a Democrat, she responded to Tark Bakari, Republican, and his comments where he was talking about, you know, this is not a, this is not a wise move for Charlotte City Council to be doing this, to be looking to change the way they, uh, they are elected. They want to move to four-year terms instead of the current two. They want to go to staggered terms instead of everybody elected all at once. And they want to add a, another district seat. And Malcolm Graham, Democrat councilman, joked that it's probably going to go to another Democrat, even though the whole point of the citizens' recommendations, the citizens' advisory group that studied this for a year, gave them recommendations, gave them different recommendations, which the city council has now cherry-picked for the ones they like, discarded the ones they don't like, like term limits. They got rid of that one, making the elections nonpartisan, got rid of that one, taking the at-large, the, one of the four at-large seats and turning it into a district seat. They got rid of that one. In fact, they bastardized that one and made it uh, a four at-large plus adding another district, which will probably go to Democrats because the whole point that the citizens group said was that you don't have representation for all of the types of voters in city limits. In other words, You've gerrymandered. You gerrymandered and you've given Democrats this massive advantage in the district races. And what you need to do is add an, a, another district and essentially make it a Republican district or make some swing districts with the number of um, unaffiliated that are that are in city limits. So Bakari goes over some of this. And then Mayfield starts attacking him as a liar and disingenuous this and mischaracterization that and saying he's misleading everybody, that just because he doesn't hear anybody clamoring for four-year terms everywhere he goes, that doesn't mean that the uh, that doesn't mean that the Democratic council members haven't heard it, which is what she says. This is what the couple of Democrats who are pushing for this, and make no mistake, this is an attempt to entrench themselves in power. And uh, she says, this is what we keep hearing everywhere we go. They're like, please, please, let me vote for you for four-year terms, not two-year terms. Why do, why do we ever have to go back to the polls every two years? You're such a fantastic representative for me. I don't need you to check in with me, but once every four years. This is what they keep hearing. That's what we are led to believe. This is what the public is crying for. Also, the Citizens Advisory Group recommendation, she says, that's all it was. It was just a recommendation. That's it. That recommendation was done with previous council. Had previous council done his job and moved forward, oh. this council wouldn't be the one having this conversation. But since this council and this new committee that consisted of new members coming onto the committee received information, which was a recommendation, we said, okay, we're going to take this recommendation, but this part we don't agree with, this part we don't agree with. Here's what we're supporting. Do we have support to move it forward? So if there was consensus prior to 2022, 
then that that council should have moved this conversation forward. You chose not to. So let's not oh. give a false narrative regarding, well, the Citizens Advisory Committee group, this is what they said, and you're changing it. No, they made a recommendation. And that's all it is. You know, did you notice what was missing from that stupidity? Why? Why? Why did you change it? Why did you get get rid of the term limits? I, I would have loved to, and nobody's asking these councilmen why. Why did you get rid of the term limits? Because you want to stay in office for way longer, right? Oh, because you got to get stuff done. Uh, look, if you can't get anything done in eight years on council, I would respectfully submit that you should be off that council because you haven't gotten anything done. She then repeated several more times, uh, this was a constant theme, that this is not new. By the way, also, I should point out, uh, this is not new. You're going to sit up here and again play this game of words to make it seem like, well, if we don't go to Raleigh, or only way I would support is if we go to Raleigh and ask them to let me kiss the golden ring so that what? they'll give us permission. What? That is a challenge because the people in Raleigh are not the ones that voted for you. What? And all, thus, all of us around this diet are also voters. What? So again, please do not give partial information. Do not be disingenuous and do not disrespect the public and say, well, we don't want to override the ability or capability of our voters by putting too much on them for them to have to make all these different decisions. Okay, so she, what she's saying there is she called it disrespectful to suggest that voters could not weigh all of these different topics in the same election. And she did not understand the point, obviously. Um, right, she did not understand the point that, uh, that angering state lawmakers while at the same time asking them for permission to ask for more money. She didn't understand like the political ramifications of that, which is what Malcolm Graham and Tark Bakari were we're actually talking about. You're going to sit up here and again play this game. Oh no, that's the wrong clip. To make it seem like well, that's the wrong clip. How embarrassing. Was it this one? Even though I'm just coming back, I still gave 8 years the first time around. We had this discussion. We had it. We had it. A number of members are around this dais sat along with me and chose not to move forward. So do not be disingenuous tonight and act like this is something brand new or you have concerns. No one said it's brand new. Moved it forward and then we wouldn't have even had to have the conversation. Y'all could have put it on said this last year when we had a September election and it could be done with, but you chose not to. So let's not give partial information to the community. All righty. Well, Tark Bakari has a response to this. It is a little bit fire. You're going to want to hear it. Okay, so Charlotte City Council is moving ahead with this uh, referendum idea. So city residents, city voters will get the chance to uh, say yay or nay to this idea to create a permanent career political class in the city. I mean, for your own good, I'm sure, not for not for the politicians. Um, so uh, Luana Mayfield made a whole bunch of uh, I, 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 I tried to understand her arguments like, well, everybody says like this is new. This is new. First off, nobody's saying it's new. That did not happen. Nobody said this is something new. They said Everybody agrees that this has been going on for a long time. They keep bringing it back and bringing it back. 
and they keep sending it to committees and debating it and all this. And Mayfield's like, oh, well, the only reason we are doing it now is because you guys didn't do your jobs. Well, like, uh, last time it was up, it went through a committee, but then they got, every, you know, COVID hit and they had redistricting. And that's what that committee worked on. And so city council now throws it over. So here is Tark Bakari with a little bit of a, you know, let's not spread false narratives uh, attack on Mayfield herself. In the spirit of not giving partial information, let me then fill in the blanks of what you missed there from a historical perspective. This council started in 2017, as you, you rightly noted, with a desire by a group that did not have six votes, but wanted raises, they wanted term length extensions and staggered terms, and they wanted full-time council, whatever that means, and it was never defined. There wasn't consensus around the group to be able to make it happen. The mayor said, okay, well, some of you are passionately keep bringing this up, so I don't know what to do other than let's bring forth a community-appointed group that is going to bring us recommendations since we can't get there ourselves, and those recommendations are what we will essentially go and try to follow in the last round. Those came back, and it said some things that were liked, and they were cherry-picked out, like, we need a raise. They said some things that weren't liked, like uh, uh, nonpartisan elections, where people freaked out. And they said some things, as we see in history, where we're kind of liked, where I'll take an extra seat, but I don't want to give up the at-large seat. The point of this wasn't taken up by the council, you're exactly right, it wasn't. Part of it, I guess, goes back to your statement of political will versus ability. But the other part is uh, COVID, and we had a lot of other things to deal with during that time. So now it's back. I have consistently always opposed it because it's, it doesn't make any sense. And now we're at a point where those who wanted it have more votes. It looks like it's going to pass. And all I say is be careful because you, you're going to get what you wish for potentially. And regardless of the fact that if you consistently hear every single day, voters are like, why don't you have four years? I haven't. I can't imagine that occurs. But guess what? We'll figure that out in November. And I think you'll be surprised by the actual answer. But the sad part of this is the thing that actually matters, to Mr. Graham's point, transportation, the investments, the conversations we're really going to have, they're going to be dominated by this topic. And that is where you're essentially not saying this is important. You have to choose what matters to you because it is my strong belief that you can only pick one thing to dominate an election cycle uh, conversation. And that's what you're about to do here. Yeah, absolutely. If you think I'm not going to talk about this topic going all the way in, this is fundamental. This is structure of government type stuff. Now, uh, Councilwoman Dimple Ajmira said that this will at least get the issue off of council's plate. As a council, we had to make a decision today whether to kill this topic. And if you want to move forward, that means we are going to go to the next step. So uh, there is no kicking the can down the road because to many members' point, I think the more we defer it, the more time it takes away from other important conversations, yeah. whether it's transportation, whether it's budget or governance. So it's disingenuous to say that let's talk about other issues. Well, guess what? A lot of our time is spent on this topic because you decided you decided not to move forward. So whatever it is, today we have to decide whether we are going to move forward or not. Council, again, is not making a decision on 
uh, whether we approve four-year term or add an eighth district, all we are saying is let the residents decide. All righty, so there you go. This is the opportunity for uh, city residents to say yay or nay to four-year terms for Charlotte City Council. And by the way, they had to do this last night because the timing of this is such that it's got to get, you know, onto the ballot and all that for a vote. And then if it is approved in November, if voters say, yes, we want to entrench power, um, then uh, then that would mean the first round of elections would occur two years after that. So basically 2025 would be the first cycle coming in and then 29, and then it would be staggered from then on out. Here was the, uh, after the, ver- the very end of it, uh, it passes by a six to four vote, Mayor Vi Lyles. That's not a very good mandate to go to the public. <laughs> I, I just, you it have to acknowledge reality. that. Yeah. It is the reality. Yeah. I understand the that. Of and I understand the diversity of this group, but I think it will also reflect the diversity of this community on this topic. Yeah, okay. First off, the city council is not diverse, okay? It's not diverse. It's not a diversity of thought that, that we saw there, right? These are power dynamics at play. People seeing certain ways through, like, for example, there may be people that don't want any of this stuff to pass, but they know that they can't go out on the limb and say that. And so what are they going to do? They'll say, got to make it a referendum. Why? Because they think it'll fail. So this way you're not opposing it, but you know it's not going to happen. Right? That's what I mean. If they go down this path, the the dynamics, the political dynamics on that council, they're going to be nuts. All right. I'll see you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone.